As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. Normally, this is not normal. Nothing's normal. It's Abby normal. Bit of Halloween reference for you. Coming up to the spookiest of spooky days. This is Android's Dungeon Pandemic Edition. I am Jack, and I'm joined by Joel. How are you today, Joel? Edition really just is the normal edition like it's been so long since we did a studio edition or a you know an average edition that like <laughs> how long has it been jack <laughs> how is the studio still not open it's october 13th 2021 we all got our shots in what june unless you're you know, holding out. Feel like I'm uh, particular enough without. Uh... I found out uh, yesterday that in order to go to the arboretum, you need to fill out a long form on a particular website. Yeah, nice to try. walk around the arboretum. <laughs> nice try. Good try, arboretum. It's yeah. cute. It's cute. So you really want to uh, protect the. What? Uh... They're going to get enforcement out there and they're going to be like, Jack, show me your paperwork. I'm going to show you my rear end as I run away. <laughs> <laughs> or force the campus police to actually try to like take some fiscal action against you, which I think is illegal, but we'll see. Yeah, I got pulled over by the campus police once, and they told me I was going 70 uh, past college. All of like, Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, like North on Gordon. I know, yeah. College. It's like, this isn't their jurisdiction. What are they? Who do they think they are? Mm-hmm. I kind of just like, yep. And he's like, you know, I could give you a ticket, right? And I'm like, mm hmm. <laughs> uh huh, sure. Okay, write me a ticket. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> try to slow down. This is some really like NWA shit right here. This is just. Yeah. Uh, Android Dungeon is a show about books, movies, games, music, and uh, <laughs> telling the campus police. <laughs> Go suck an egg. Yeah. Put suck the authorities in their place. Joel, what have you been playing recently? I've been playing a lot of Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Um, More like Season Loser. A, yeah. I've also been playing a ton of Baldur's Gate 3, which makes me kind of sad because I was really on a roll with Resident Evil Village. And oh. I felt like I could have you know, carried through, at least finished the story one time on, like, regular mode or something and gone back to it. And then Baldur's Gate is just too good, and I can't stop playing it, and I don't know, I like, I really like all the new changes they put in, and I think it's worthy of another run-through. Well, this is something you have to explain to me and to our dedicated listener, that why do you keep playing the same goddamn section of Baldur's Gate over and over again? I like playing... D&D with your friends, except your friends are really smart because they're all you. 
<laughs> no. Dangerous insight into what <laughs> people here. No, um uh yeah, I mean you can really just uh you can min max up a team of D and D players and control them all, you know, like you can pretend you were quarterbacking a co op game or something. Um, but it is really good and really difficult D and D is is essentially what Baldur's Gate is. And they've ramped up the difficulty a little bit. Uh, there's no longer they, like... Wait, wait, wait. They made it more difficult? Yep. Wait, were there a lot of people sitting there saying the game was too easy? Well, who knows? But, I mean, the requirement that they added is fair. It's, it's okay, all, go on. I, Sorry, please. Is that um, previously long rests, there was sort of this thematic warning that, you know, there's a parasite in your head. and Yeah. And who knows, if you rest too much, you take too long, something might happen. But quickly you realize that nothing's actually going to happen to you. Oh, <laughs> and you can I just take was... as many long rests as you like. Okay. Um, so then all of a sudden you have this unlimited, at any point, completely heal And get all your ability, spells back. And that's just, yeah, it's just unfair and too easy. So they added, um, what do they call it? Uh, provisions okay. requirement. Oh, there we go. So now you need X amount of food. I think it's 50 worth of food in order to properly long rest and heal up. Now, have they... I think is, it's just brilliant. Is that something that you think is going to make it into the end game that you have theoretically unlimited rests as long as you afford the provisions, which seems... Putting a hard time limit on a game like that, unless there's like a midpoint where you can kind of get rid of that time limit, I think is... Which is, it seems fair. Although it's weird to front-end front load a game with that type of time limit difficulty like i think the first fallout did it um and even that it was pretty lenient like it took like a I, long time i think uh i played a game that you highly recommend that had some kind of time limit which was uh was the precursor to bioshock shock uh system shock system shock yeah the original system shock if you play for a certain amount of time you just lose that's on the hardest puzzle difficulty, though, I think. There's like a, oh, a total... Okay. that. So I've, I've never actually played on that difficulty because I always thought, yeah, why? <laughs> okay, so it's not so bad. But uh, there's but, other games like Dead Rising, for example, comes to mind where it's that... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you might be onto something. Like, there's probably in that game, I think there is actually, like, a clock on you because every time you go to rest, like, uh, characters in your... I don't want to give too much away, but characters yeah. in your party kind of start to succumb and mm-hmm. become like more embracing the change kind of thing. Uh-huh. So you can definitely see like them developing that further because you only get the first arc. Yeah. And now people have played the first arc so many times. Somebody did a speed run, 12 minutes. <laughs> you know, how you could possibly in 12 minutes get from landing on a illithid ship to the underdark <laughs> and then through the underdark in 12 minutes it's just baffling you've got to be running the whole way and somehow avoiding co- all combat because there's no other way like each fight takes me you know 20 minutes to finish if i'm if a if it's a decent enough size fight but the uh, fun thing about fights in my second run, Jack, is that I know where they all are. Yeah, so, so you just I start just the fight by nuking them? Jump on them, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was something that always kind of bugged me when I was playing Divinity. And I, you were asking me about Divinity the other day. And I still yeah. think you should play it because I think you might get a kick out of it. But 
there there's a couple of kind of greasy things that it's like it rewards kind of save scumming in a negative sense and sure you can like it's on you like if you the the penalty for save scumming is save scumming that's the yeah. if you want to play your game like that that's on you but it kind of bugs me when a game is difficult as it is basically so you kind of need that you kind of need it in the sense like there are traps and you can get ganked and it's you're just thinking well this is just punishing me for not knowing the game from the get-go it, it's kind of like I, in the pre last episode i was talking about dark souls and generally speaking there's no every everything is on you if you screw up in the sense that oh you were running too fast or you didn't you weren't being perceptive enough or you didn't dodge right enough like versus something like in divinity there are parts when i felt like i'd walk somewhere then all of a sudden i get ambushed by a bunch of like assassins or something and the game the the difficulty curve on it feels so strange that you can just you can steamroll some encounters and other encounters you can end up in and just like oh my god i just got demolished like i didn't even know what was happening there so it, it's to me that playing iron man mode is something for if you're on if you're on another level like right now i feel like you could do iron man mode for your little section of baldur's gate because you know where things are and you know how to build a proper party yeah. you know what works what doesn't work but i don't know anyone what sort of madman would try to play that way from the get-go although well, the other changes that I'll, I'll mention two other changes before we move on one is kind of cool it's called loaded dice and it basically just kind of balances your dice a little bit so that you're oh. You don't get such extreme good luck or bad luck. It kind of like weird calculates what you've gotten and kind of gives you yeah. kind of more of an average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's an and then the and the other thing which is huge is the druid is now in play. Whole new class. Whole new class, and it is incredible. As a free action, it doesn't even cost you your action or bonus action. You can transform into an animal. And wow. It's like ah, whatever. I do an. I have an animal. It can do ten damage or whatever. Right. That's still pretty. But good. it is the most incredibly massive meat shield, because you know what it's like being level one, level two. You know you've got mm -hmm. eight to twelve hit points, and then you turn into a bear that's got thirty-seven hit points. It's like well, you just throw this guy out front. He'll take all the hits, and yeah. you're never gonna die. Yeah. And it and in Baldur's Gate where the AIs are brutal. As far as like hitting you when you're down and targeting the weakest guy and everything like that, it is so nice to like take your weak little druid at three HP and be like, "Psych, I've got 40. <laughs> so, is there any way? Like, do you think there's? So, the two things I want to ask you because you you mentioned this kind of beginning when you're talking about like, oh, it's like playing with a bunch of geniuses, aka yourself. But is it? <laughs> you feel like as you as you play the game though, you're you're just feeling like you're looking at party composition and you're saying like, okay. Like the urge the quarterback real life D and D almost feels to be gonna be rearing its head when you're looking at it because you're thinking like this is you're, you're obviously there are changes it's a computer game and AI behaves differently and the the dungeon master is gonna do stuff but the actions are all the same the feats are all the same the capabilities are all the same and if you see things where it's like okay I combo this with this with this it, would, it leads to an incredible attack here. If you see somebody playing in real life not doing that, would it just kind of like you'd have a little twitch where it's like, oh, go, it, it, it's so good, it's so busted. Um, like, and I, well, I was just going like, to say the other part too is like, do you think it's viable just to run four wizards and just like magic missile everything in sight? <laughs> okay, well, I'll answer one, one and then the other because they're pretty different. So the first one, yeah, I mean, like I could see like, all right, we're all going to roll for stealth or we're all going to cast Pass Without Trace and sneak up on whatever encounter the DM has prepared. 
and then you know we'll all queue up an ability and we'll all trigger them at the exact same time and we'll try to you know throw down grease throw out a firebolt throw out an arrow and then all hide yeah and hope we pass our stealth check yeah <laughs> and if we pass our stealth check they don't even find us and they're just sitting there on fire like huh what's going on and like i just feel like the dm would probably get pretty pissed off yeah i'd, I'd be furious <laughs> as being that tactical yeah. uh but i i do think that like taking a pot shot with a sniper like especially like a rogue who's really good at hiding and trying to hide from an enemy is totally viable in dvd there's a lot of elements of Baldur's gate like i did not know that grease was fam- flammable until i played it it makes perfect sense and fireball being a cantrip all of a sudden grease becomes like basically a level one fireball that you can have and not to mention that everybody that's on it has to make a deck save or fall prone and not get any movement and they have disadvantage or something like that so there's like just like a ton of little things that you learn by playing Baldur's gate over and over again that you could definitely use in D&D so i think in that sense but like honestly i don't really care what people do in D&D like it's it playing in real life is not nearly as hard as playing Baldur's gate <laughs> i'll say that so like obviously we're just there to have fun and i think i'm glad i'm a dm in that sense and that i can just kind of like let things happen is that uh, obviously the... i'd love to play players but is that the trouble though? Because D and D, I think, always has a schizophrenic approach to where it's like the the role playing aspect is kind of fairly like do what thou wilt, and it's like, all right, I'll make you do a check here and there, and maybe you're gonna start a fight, maybe you won't, and that stuff's kind of chaotic. And depending on how serious people are being or how many critical role episodes they've watched, they're gonna behave differently. And then as soon as you enter combat, though, that's when all of a sudden it's like the grognargy sort of you, a part of you, kind of rears its head. And it's like monsters going to behave this way, and it's and unless you're really kind of pulling punches or behaving in kind of more of a like e- AI on easy mode, that it, it it really basically pushes you to min max and perform optimally. Unless you like for a, and I'm assuming an optimal encounter that's not just wildly imbalanced one way or another. Does that make sense? Optimizing yourself in combat, and, and then there's also outside, right? And I think that's up to the DM too to yeah. implement a whole bunch of non-combat benefits to you know not just dump statting your wisdom and your charisma or whatever, right? Because yeah. if if charisma is actually going to get you into places and get you more items and abilities and everything like that, then you, you're not just going to throw it out. I feel like but, I want to uh, just make a next character that's like got tons of wisdom and dexterity. So any of those passes, I just am, am ready. Yeah, you just go for it. What is that like? A uh, is that still warlock? Or? That's another th- like a team composition thing, though, right? You only need yeah. one. You have that guy. He's your front man. He does all the talking. Everyone else just shuts up. Yeah, and then you get you pass all your charisma checks. Does it auto select the best character for that, or do you have to pick which one? No, it's actually re- that's another change that they've made. That's really cool. Um, you know how you can kind of like help each other in D anD D, but it's not really implicit how it works in it's like very social strange, situations. Because yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna help him search the body, you know, like yeah, something all like right, take advantage, great, check the box. So whenever you have a a check, not only can you use your whole party's um, bonuses. Let's say somebody has like a special bonus to or has taken proficiency in lock picking. Yeah. Uh, you can use them even if you're not them doing the action. 
So it'll give you like a plus two to your resolve. Um, and then you can also mid conversation change who's representing you. Like you can kind of butt in and be like, hey, this, forget about this guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're intimidate you now. Uh, having a good conversation with you. Yeah. I think I want to talk to you. And that's super helpful because DD or not DD, Baldur's Gate really um, has a lot of very specific benefits like you walk into a druid circle and you're a druid or if you walk yeah. into a place with elves and you have some kind of half elf background or whatever uh all these little things to come into account at, at to the difficulty of your checks and you know the dialogue options that you get and everything like that so it's yeah, it something really that i'm pretty sure uh divinity um did it as well that if there was encounters that were specifically focused on a single character that it would just immediately yank them to the front and okay. as opposed to being like, Forces who are you? you? Know. Yeah, like, <laughs> like the guy's right there. Oh, you mean him? Okay, one sec. Like some pointless little switcheroo. So they've also added in some cool things where like certain characters won't work together. At least not yet. Oh wow, interesting. I wonder if that's it's just like, like them. They don't have the dialogue written. Well, yeah. no, because they were working together. Like I had them both in my party before. They oh, made weird. this change now where they said like. Uh, the cleric really doesn't like the Githyanki fighter, and you have to either take the Githyanki fighter or the cleric. Interesting. It probably helps them uh, narrow down some dis- like uh, story branches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there's this whole thing where they're trying to find. We're trying to find a healer to get the worms out of our head, and the Githyanki has a a crate around. A what? And they, uh, you know, like a Scottish clan. Oh, I see. And. Uh, and so they think that they're the ones that are going to help us, and other people have other opinions. Anyway, I don't I, want to get too into it. I just want the game to come out. That's all I yeah. want. It's like oh, I was looking forward boy. to playing it this time of the year. Right now, not even this year, yeah, it, it delayed it, which is no Probably surprise. Probably 2022. Not even definitely. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be 2022. I really don't. I think this is going to be 2023 at best. Well, Larian's pretty famous, I think, for delaying but making really good games. But so was Bethesda at a time, or not. Bethesda, but uh, CD Projekt Red. We'll see. I, I still think there... I don't know if it's going to be as legendary as No Man's Sky for Redemption, but I think maybe in two years or three years, Cyberpunk will be playable as far as I'm concerned. But at this stage, I don't give one toot of my horn about that game. Um, which we can, we can kind of transfer a little bit while we're on the subject. Okay. This is a bit of a segue yeah. to... Uh, we have been playing a bit of Cyberpunk Red, which is kind of the D&D 5 to cyberpunk uh 2023's dnd 3.5 i think that's a f- semi-fair comparison without having played either of them uh directly at least because I, th- I played a bit of 3.5 here and there in in video game forum and in in real life but um not nearly as much as five uh so we've been playing it with i don't think he's been on the show has stefan been on the show maybe Couple times once? yeah really? he came on and talked about Diplomacy? I can't remember what diplomacy probably yeah, but it was like maybe four years ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so he's still a friend of the show. You never lose that status, yeah. even if you're an enemy of the show. You're still a friend of the show. Um, it's like it's like how in in Christianity you can't lose your divinity or your salvation by recanting. Really? Is that a sect thing? I've... Yeah, it's like once you've done the thing you can't go back there's no takesies backsies what you're saying like if you're baptized you're fine is that it yeah i guess so or whatever it is that it takes 
Joel, that sounds like some pagan nonsense, and I'm going to <laughs> burn you at the stake for it. So we'll call well, it, it works the same with friend of the show. <laughs> you know, takesies backsies. No takesies backsies. So anyway, we had Stefan on the show, and uh, we, it took us a while to get there, but Stefan is has had his eye on, on cyberpunk for a while. Um, whether I, I don't know if he's always been attracted to the genre or the game specifically. I've never really had many conversations about it. Um, and he finally got us together to play a game and originally we're gonna have, there were gonna be four of us and then a person dropped out quite rudely right before even our first game and there were three of us and uh we have managed to do three three nights of cyberpunk and it has been uh, a, a total learning experience for all of us, um, none of us have ever played yeah. it before. Stefan's never played it or uh, GM'd it. And uh, it has been from the, the, the ground up a, a fresh experience of sorts. And uh, I'm going to put it to Joel first to ask him what are his overall thoughts on the experience so far. Well, uh, we all popped into role playing through Dungeons and Dragons. And I think it was the only thing we'd ever played except for some minor divergences into some some things like events like in gen con and this like uh that weird sounded LARP awesome yeah. inheritance larp that we did um but for the most part we've always been curious about other formats of role playing uh i've always wanted to try that burning wheel that harry was always doing um but cyberpunk is definitely one of the ones that's one of the most popular, I think. And it's basically because it's it's taken role-playing for the cool dude, futuristic, gun-toting uh, lover, which I think we both fall into. Um, and, you know, created a platform for it. And I think there was, what, cyberpunk, uh, what was the one prior to Red? 2023, isn't it? 2023 yeah and then and then red so red is kind of like a refined version um i'm not crazy about it you know uh the the combat is a little dry well you gotta be be specific when you say why you find it dry um because um cyberpunk is primarily a a uh gun combat uh in combat, at least, uh, your character and your abilities are slightly different, but for the most part, you're firing guns at various ranges and either hitting or missing and then doing X damage, and then X damage is reduced by the armor. And that's about it. There's this, like, wrestling thing that you can do where you melee someone and then you can, like, force them to drop their weapon or like just throw them off a cliff and kill them <laughs> which uh, maybe that's just a dm thing i don't know but um it's just a little boring like i just think about D and all of the decisions that go into your race and your class and and what abilities you're going to come into a combat with and how you're going to implement them and everything has at least like five more options than they do in cyberpunk but outside of the combat, I really enjoy Cyberpunk. I think it's like even better than D&D as far as role-playing potential. Like it seems like the politics and the and the economics and everything are are really well built in and it's not just like a fantasy where everybody's worshiping certain gods that are giving them power. It's like you know, there's actually these corporations that you can uh support and grow and shrink and you know, 
and choose to side with this guy or that guy or you know you can be a corporate chill or you can be a rebel and this and that that's my gl- take. What do you think? I'm glad you brought up economy because that's something that struck me immediately about the game is that it seems to have a very big sort of day-to-day push for income and money and stuff isn't cheap and, and stuff it, is good. And it's good. So you feel like you want a lot of stuff and it it disappears and you get better versions of it and especially if you with all the cyberware and the cyber equipment that you kind of augment your character with at a cost too, because you can't just get all these cool things. They're not not only are they expensive, but you need a doctor to put them in. You need to find somebody who sells them, and you also have a penalty to your humanity the more you put on you. So you become less and less sane, I guess. So you have a risk of like breaking down and becoming just like a total lunatic running around. Um, I, I'm with Joel completely though with the combat so far in that with your your decision space seems quite limited where it's like take cover and shoot at people or run up and hope your grapple works if you're strong enough like none of us are doing any melee stuff generally speaking we're just shooting at people and kind of hoping for the best um and i i don't know if that's just a symptom of maybe the circumstances that have been built or if it's the setting entirely whether it's just because it's set in like a futuristic setting that like everyone's got guns so it's there's a reason why in D&D people aren't shooting each other it's because they like the wizard is essentially shooting and dropping nukes and throwing grenades and doing stuff like that but other people are like punching and swinging and doing stuff like that it, it, i don't even know if it's technically even a, a bigger decision space as much as cuz at the end of the day you're still are you hitting someone or are you throwing something at them whether it's magic or a a, a bow like a, an arrow or something in in it just feels like in it, thematically or flavor wise in cyberpunk so far that it's just not as creatively there with regard to what i'm going to do and i don't know if it's and it has nothing to do with stefan and then this is his first gming that i'm aware of so it, it it i don't know if you just the there's a big big onus on cyberpunk because it's futuristic and you really have to build up that world to make it feel like there's tons of stuff to do and things to shoot at and take cover and really immerse people versus a, a generic sort of medieval fantasy setting where you can just kind of say it's a stone building it's a tavern it, it it's a it's a town square with a well in the center or something and it's like there's yeah. less of an expectation with regard to what you have to do but if you say stuff like that in cyberpunk it's like my brain just short circuits because that's just that's it, it shouldn't be there there should be tons of stuff yeah. for me to be scrambling around and hiding and jumping into like cars driving by pedestrians not to say there aren't passerbyers but i think you understand the kind of gist i'm getting at there's just you really 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 have to hit the world building i feel like in cyberpunk yeah. and, and that, again that's there, an indictment. It's really cool and the map yeah. is really interesting too and there's just like a combat area that you can just go in and fight anytime you want mm-hmm, <laughs> Yeah, I think the city, Night City, is really cool, really well designed, and they do have these like massive political interests that are all already pre-constructed that you can yeah. use. Yeah, we can't critique Cyberpunk Red without having played with, I think, an experienced GM, and like no, no slight to Stefan, it's his first time trying. Mm-hmm. But I will say one thing, in that, like, I feel at least like thematically. That in a world where everyone is at least more or less human, most combat, if not all, should be optional. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, I feel like there's been a lot of situations where it's like we run into three guys that are clearly like our opponents for this 
part yeah. of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like we have a we have a, like a two second conversation where we try to say something, and then it's like, and then you roll initiative, and it's yeah. like, oh man, here we go again. I know, and, and there, this there is... goes another hour. <laughs> well, we and, this, this out. and that's the issue, I think. When and I swear this is the problem when it comes to when you're doing milestone XP systems that it, yeah. it, it, as soon as I say it, I, I, f- I start second guessing myself in my head. But I feel like the problem is that there's no tangible, it doesn't feel like a tangible reward for not fighting because the fighting is fun. But it, it, I think when it feels good when you talk your way out of something or when you intimidate somebody out of fighting you, that all of a sudden you get a bunch of experience points. And they walk away, and it's like you won the the encounter. You just did it a different way, and it felt satisfying. Versus you bring that up, that was one of the major changes in Baldur's Gate. What's they actually that? increased the experience you gained from avoiding combat, so that it wasn't just like turning incentivizing people to be murder hobos. Well, that's it. Like as soon as you, the problem is like when you do some raw min maxing, and especially in a game, because I remember in Divinity, experience was super tight, and you wanted to get as much as you could. Mm-hmm. that you're going to try to get every piece you can. So you're going to lockpick everything. You're going to steal everything. You're going to talk to everyone. You're going to do every quest possible. And if you're incentivizing me to get more experience points for fighting everyone I come across, oh, look what's happening. I'm fighting everyone I see versus creating a more natural right. sort of play style. Even, but the, unless you want to make it more balanced and then it's more dangerous to fight everyone. And it's like, you're, if you're complaining the game's so hard and I ask, well, you're fighting everyone, and you say... Well, I'm getting more experience points for it. It kind of makes me go, mm, I don't know. Did, is this right? Is this wrong? What is this my fault? <laughs> oh, and like social world re- repercussions, right? Like if you're going yeah. to mine and murdering all the dr- all the dwarves or something, maybe the shops mm-hmm. shut down or something. Mm-hmm. Which is tough to do. But anyway, back to Cyberpunk. I think yeah. I, I'm I'm sort of in the same boat as you. I'm I think I enjoy the role playing stuff a little bit, even though it kind of feels like I'm just playing silly accent man and kind of just trying to experience this world in the way that kind of is enjoyable for everyone but i think my fundamental issue is i just don't understand the game versus D, i think where outside of combat i think i have a, a general idea of like what i want to do and i just feel like as if somebody's sort of like or as if i'm just a child who's picked up a like a quantum computer and it's like oh boy can it play doom it, it doesn't like i'm just doing what i can with it versus I don't know, really taking advantage of this world. It's tough for us to like kind of carry the role playing too. Yeah. But uh yeah. overall it's I think we I'll I'll just say this. I'm enjoying it. I I I I am happy that somebody's taking a risk and starting a new system because that's never easy to do and it takes tons of work and and just GMing and DMing takes tons of work most of the time. <laughs> so it I really appreciate it and I think it's great that someone's stepping up to try it. Let's take a musical break. That's fair. <laughs> musical That's break. Good. Yeah. We'll we'll be back in a short moment. Stay tuned. CFRU 93.3 FM.
Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93FM. What you just heard was two tracks off of a brand new album from everyone's favorite dungeon synth artist, Bogwitch, from the 2021 album Into the Lair. You heard the first two tracks, Unearthly Hums from Beneath the Tupelo Roots, and the catchy classic, which will surely top the, the charts, Entering the Impossibly Cavernous Chamber. <laughs> I love you know, this music. You know, there's like we can we can all agree that playing role playing games in person is just hands down always better. But one thing I do miss about playing online was that I was able to queue up based off of what was going on music throughout the entire session. And I wish like, you didn't have to use Discord for it. I wish it was do built it in real into... life, but it's a lot more work because you've got yeah. like, like a lot more moving parts and management and you're running yeah. around and stuff. But I loved that, yeah, either in Discord or in Rule 20, I could actually have music ready to go. And I had yeah. a list of music and I was like, this thing. And then we get into combat, it's this thing. I confess that when I'm listening to a lot of my weirder, nerdier music, that uh, if I hear a track that I find especially perfect i will try to mark it down as a um, music for a DD session or a role-playing session as like and i try to categorize it like fight music intense fight music fun <laughs> exploring music scary or something it's just like you know you got to have different categories because uh otherwise yeah. you'll want to put on like super ominous exploring music when you're just like walking around some guy's house what <laughs> yeah. make any well, sense. i have like nautical combat and swamp ambience and swamp combat and forest yeah. ambience forest combat and you know uh like haunted chapel <laughs> of course this is classic stuff here folks yeah um all right so before we left we were talking about Baldur's gate cyberpunk D D. um plan a bit, of, a bit of role-playing. Um, the uh, I'm just going to chime in. I got to play a six-player game of 1830 on the weekend with uh, two the new... That's the original. Well, I guess 1829 is the original, but as far as I'm Our concerned, original. 1830 is the original. Okay. Um, Our first, right? Our first! <laughs> uh, there were two Dr. new players, Terry. and there were four veterans. Um... And it's, uh, I was happy with how quickly the newbies took to the 18xx system. Um, I still maintain the most difficult part about teaching this game is the initial auction and what the private companies do. Like, why and am I doing this, basically? Why am I doing this and trying you to need create... to sell it as, like, a little bonus thing. Well, that's what I was doing. I was trying to set like, up play a little mini-game before we play the game. Yeah. And the only problem is that I think... And it, you know what? It doesn't matter because none of us are sharks. But it's that things can go horribly wrong if people don't bid properly on certain things. And I think the only one that you got to worry about is really the CNA. Although I've heard other things about like the DNH and uh, some of these, like getting them too cheap is a problem. But uh, basically, all I did was just tell them just don't bid on the BNO. That you don't want that right now. And they, everyone just took bids on stuff. I got in a bidding auction against Kayla in the CNA, and I just bumped it up to something I felt comfortable at, and then I bailed. And I ended up with no private comp. Oh no, I, I ended up with the BNO, which was hilarious. I didn't want it, but I got it. Late <laughs> so, BNO. It was the last one because Kayla, I Kayla was the last one to purchase, and I had priority after her, and it was the only company left. And I could have passed, but I would have given everyone else a bunch of a round of income, and I wasn't doing that, so I was just gonna just paid it. Bought to, paid 220 bucks I was never seen again and end up with this company. 
And uh, long story short, it was a mixed game as far as um, good 18xx went in that I had a, I had a great time, I, and most people are having fun. Everyone's kind of role-playing a little bit. And as soon as you could see some lights clicking uh, when certain mechanics came into play, the idea of like moving money between companies and uh, selling privates to your company, you get a bunch of cash, and selling stocks in the other company, which causes the price to drop. It gives you more capital, but hurts everyone else who hasn't sold their stocks yet. Little fundamentals to the game. And uh, the only problem was that and this was something I was talking to Kale about um, later on, is that 1830 does something very strange that is that makes zero intuitive sense unless you've really been playing the game for a while, and that is buying more trains than you need. And the whole point is you the, the company treasuries exist merely as pawns to your own ends, and you should em- be emptying those treasuries um, and buying extra trains just to facilitate getting the threes out so you can buy a second company and then, you know, either dumping the first one somebody else or selling it down to maybe a yellow, perhaps, and, and taking that capital and starting the second company and swapping trains between them. And it, the men, you're meant to be just pushing trains constantly. And in this game we played, the treat threes the companies didn't... badly. Yeah, treat the... You want to whip them. You want to beat those companies. They yeah. don't... They're you just... know, it's a classic pump and dump, unless you're doing something crazy. Well, and that's the thing, is I managed to... I didn't float the BNO until... After the privates had closed, and oh, it's way which back. Was, it, which is fine because I was making thirty dollars a round off that for turn after turn after turn after turn, which was more right. than it's just the income. It was just the income, which was more than most people are making off some of these. Which companies. usually you never see it. Well, because people float it because they don't want you yeah. making that income. So I had no problem with that. But at the end of the day, it was um, it was a fairly casual experience and. There were there were opportunities at times where I could have done because uh, uh, Eric was new and he was to the left of me and he was cross invested in I took the NYC from him because he just didn't have the capital and I was sick of not running a company so I, I f- took presidency and we were both split with a cu- two other shares floating around on the ownership of that and I could have sold down that company and just looted it completely and dumped him with a broke company. Um, before I, th- I think it might have bankrupted him. It could have been, may have been close, but it was just like we we were calling it early, and I called it a day, and it's just like it's not worth it. It's we're just gonna have a little fun here, and that's that. It, it's it can be a ruthless game if you want it to be, and um, I, and I'm just happy that as far as I could tell, uh, the two people who were brand new to it enjoyed it, and you could see them sort of getting into it and being quite excited about sort of the decision space and the options ahead of them. And it, it felt long, but that's only because with two new people and when the threes don't come out for like, felt like way too many operating rounds, it's, it can, it is a long game, but a overall game though, like definitely uncharacteristic, not seeing the BNO just running four trains, like bam, 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 getting tons well, and of this is And this is the interesting thing. So when you play with six players and you par the B&O at $100, it's, it's not an attractive buy because you only have 400 starting capital assuming you don't have any privates and you most likely bought a private. So that means you're, you're lacking on that and you probably don't want to invest in a company that's going to take four shares. So it's going to take everyone else or you having exactly $400 to float this company because the BNO owner is generally speaking not going to float it himself. So it just, nobody touched it and 
this was where the game got weird is that so the obvious ones floated like the PRR um, I think the NYC did which was an odd one actually but um, but there were so many people buying just like random sh- presidency certificates here and there that and just parring it at low numbers that it was, it was my eyes were kind of watering a bit because it's like oh my god those companies need money and you just, you just they're not going to get a lot of money later when somebody decides to flip them and it was it, it was a very strange game, but it was neat to see. Like it's that's what I like, Joel, is seeing because it is a sandbox. It'd be like playing Civ with a bunch of people who don't know anything about. Well, like eighteen thirty is not played enough, and I mean obviously it's played a ton by other people. But mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we're branching off into so many different eighteen XXs, and I'm totally support that because so many good ones out there. Mm-hmm. But I would love to set aside all those damn incremental cap games we play and just be like 1830 18 max and maybe i don't know 1860 for like a while and just get really good at those and well, then 18... move on to like the crazy stuff 1830 I almost feel like we could set aside as just being its own little like we it, it with is it, almost yeah it's with so its, different with its with people i know how to play it I, i'm convinced we could be playing gunboat we should see if we can sneak in because like it doesn't even need to be a whole day thing right we could probably sneak in one of those as a gbg event and oh i wanted to mention golf board gamers if you're not on it get on it uh because there's a lot of activity going on there it's really the place to like discuss games trade games and we're going to be posting a list of games that are up for buy and sell yeah, uh, we've got events every month now, and they've all been attended fairly well and regularly. Even though it's mostly just our friends, to be honest. But well, that's fine. It's it's uh, a weird time too. So we've had a few randoms jump in, which is always good to see because they're only randoms once, and then we know them. Well, and also like Joel, you've got your big cottage con this weekend, and I'm going to yep. be around, and I'm going to try to going to try to get something going in this weekend because it's again, it, unfortunately, it's just one of these things where it's like. You're busy. I'm free. I'm free. You're busy. You're. I'm busy. You're free. It's just we. It's difficult to plan to get these weekends going here. But it. It's we. Like I like sharing these games, and I want to teach people these games. And it's also fun though to play games against with people that don't have to be taught. So you can actually focus on the game itself, and you're not sitting there just. Because the thing about this too, Joel, that it's like. When I'm playing Civ, it, it, there's nothing more relaxing than not having to worry about like who's or who who's what's the census. Whose turn is it? Let's shuffle the trade goods. It's like, ugh. It, it just... I don't have to tell you. It, it, it drags on you, like, having to administrate. It feels like you're not actually playing the game as much as you are just kind of refereeing and being in the corner simultaneously. Does that make sense? Fair. Anyway. So, we, it, overall, 1830. Um, I still think it's very simple to teach, minus a couple of headaches. Um, and and the, just... Again, going back to how simple of a game it is at the end of the day, I think if you understand a fundamental concept of like, here's a stock round, you can sell, buy, sell, or buy, sell, it's up to you. And you can't have more than 60% outside of very specific circumstances, we'll explain. And then you can, it, it just the, because the rules are so simple and the mechanics make so much sense, the only issue is that damn auction at the beginning, which is just so bizarre. And so, if you're playing like a madman, theoretically you could lose right away, but none of us are sharks, like I said, so it doesn't make that much of a difference, and even being dealt a great hand isn't going to win you the game necessarily. So, there's just there's so much to the game that it's just always a treasure and always a treat to get on the table, minus its uh, obvious time commitment. And I, I mentioned this also in the, the Guelph 
board gaming group, and I posted about it on our Twitter, AD Radio CFRU, is the I picked up recently some trays from these delightful Polish chaps uh, out of I don't know if they're in Warsaw or outside of Warsaw, called from this company called Rails on Boards, and uh, they are nice, solid, dedicated 18xx players, and they've made a little side business of making trays that fit tiles and custom wooden components and stickers for all these games. So 1830 by default comes with these cruddy little cardboard tokens, which are suitably thick, but it's they're just cardboard. Nobody likes them. So I, I bought some trays for 1830 to fit all the tiles, and I upgraded the uh, station tokens and other things to these lovely, chunky, thick, uh, wooden ones that are painted nicely, and they all have stickers. And the trays alone are just one of the greatest investments of all time. That they they save on table space, they save on setup, they save on takedown. You can pass them around to people beforehand so they can look at the tiles, obviously, and know what to put. It's just, they're perfect. It is the dream come true. And I've always said, and I think you agree with me on this, Joel, is that if you play a game a lot or you like a game and it may have some obnoxious setup or takedown or table space issues, get an organizer. Get something that'll make your life easier to get this game on the table because anything that assists in that is... Then you're playing it. So it's... I don't have know you how to use it yet. Yeah, we used it on the uh, on the weekend. It was great. So nice. Yeah, I mean, resale value is still there too. I mean, not like you're selling your collection, but maybe one day you'll tur- you'll wake up and you'll say, "I don't want to play board games anymore," <laughs> and, and then you'll sell all these games and you'll be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, right. Because uh, in the future economy, it's like the uh, it's a new crypto is board games. It's, yeah. Uh, Man, if only I could have gotten in on Catan when it was still mm-hmm. under ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now the now the Catan barons are the one that runs the world, the, like the Illuminati. Yeah. All right, 3D so we got Catan really took off. Yeah, it turns out that's the thing that like is the <laughs> what differentiates the haves and the have-nots. Is do you have that cruddy, ugly three D Catan version? But in our last uh, minute here, Joel, uh, do you want to? Say anything or uh, make any announcements for uh, of board gaming events or stuff going on. Just check out Guelph Board Gamers. I added you on that uh, buy sell list, and it looks like some people added themselves a few games. And I'm not saying there's anything great there, but as soon as it gets to the top, hopefully people will be adding things, and then we can do a little like online buy sell. Sure, perfect. All right, good. Uh, we're going to call it there then. Uh, Androids Dungeon, CFRU 93FM. Check us out on Facebook at Guelph Board Gamers, uh, at Guelph Board Game Group, Twitter, AD Radio CFRU, Instagram, Droids, Androids Dungeon. Uh, I am behind. I'll have to upload a bunch of episodes to Anchor for Joel to upload uh, or send them to Joel to upload. And uh, we should be good to go. So until then, I hope everyone is enjoying the lovely warm fall we're having and get into the spooky season. Maybe we'll have a spooky episode for the next one. Although I think we've got two weeks before we have to do a Halloween-ish episode, so we can try to I don't know, figure something out. Until then, I'm Jack. And that's Joel. <laughs> have a good night, good day, whatever. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye,